Trash Cinema. So what are we going to talk about in this episode? Our final run. Yep, we're talking about the, the other Chuck and the Taylor 2 Chucks, but this time we're going Norris. Yes, and it is the canon what? years, but um, yeah. how do you feel? Do you, you like, know, do you like pre-canon or post-canon? Oh, well, look, it's, look, I'm really, I'm really in the same boat as we were, uh, last time with the other Chuck, with Charles Bronson. Um, like, it's, it's, it's almost like you always love their early stuff because that's when you fell in love with them, right? So you don't really rate that against the, the other stuff. Like if people say, you know, um... Do you want to watch a Charles Bronson? Like, if you watch a Charles Bronson movie right now, right? Uh-huh. Okay, well, Death, Death Wish 3, right? Like, pick one, like, straight off the top of your head. Oh, it's but always going to be Death Wish 3. Always. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, I say Death Wish 3. If, if you say to me right now, let's sit down and watch a Chuck Norris movie, you pick it. Um, I might, I, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go with the Octagon. Really, I think right. most people usually go with Lone Wolf McQuaid. For me, it's uh, Code of okay. Silence. None of these are canon films. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, the Octagon always... Okay, I feel like watching a Chuck Norris movie. It's, 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 it, but it's become... since Well, since I discovered this other movie, it's become sort of a nose-to-nose, like a photo finish, if you will, with the Octagon and sidekicks. <laughs> People love sidekicks. There's no joke about that. That's like his last hit. Um, Come on, that that was such a that's such a beautiful movie, man. Come on, I mean, <laughs> he, that's what, that's. I always wanted him to do a sequel. I, we my, talked about this, didn't we? Like doing a Van Damme sequel where he re- revisited the Kickboxer and Hard Target, and Time Cop, and stuff like that. Exactly, like like you like I always almost want to do like, um, like a version of Bloodsport. Where he is the old guy that trains the kid, you know what I mean? Well, I mean that's what they do with kickboxer though. But I mean he's not a kid. Yeah, yeah, but but not. But he doesn't like die. He doesn't die in the start, and then he goes off to like, I'm gonna do this for you, Shidoshi. You know, um, he he he's sort of there, and like he's kind of a bit more like uh, Burgess Meredith in Rocky. You know what I mean? Yeah, well he almost has the same gravitas now, the, the gravelly voice and the way he carries himself. Yeah. You know, you, you do it like The Rock, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see my my, my dream. My, my dream is to see, like, a version of No Retreat, No Surrender with a ghost of Chuck Norris. Comes back and teaches a dude kung fu. <laughs> All right. That, that's my... That's, that's my dream, yeah. listeners. That's my... If I ever... If you ever <laughs> see that movie... If you ever see that movie one day, you know that I convinced some schmuck to do it. <laughs> yeah, so before we jump into the canyon years, it starts off with the Breaker Breaker, right? Well, I mean, you know, well, he wasn't Return of the yeah. Dragon. I forgot. Yeah, Way of the Dragon. Yeah, and then there's the Slaughter Dragon. in San Francisco, which has been like nine different titles. Yeah. I'm never certain of what that is. But he really broke out yeah. as a lead in Breaker Breaker. Sure, that's right. Yeah, Breaker Breaker. And then... Um... Uh, of course, the, the the quintessential one with the big face of Chuck on it is "Good Guys Wear Black." Badass glasses. Is that the first Richard uh, Norton movie? Yeah. No, no, no. Richard Norton was the Octagon. Okay. And yeah, because was... Richard Richard Norton is the you know the faceless ninja, the masked uh, ninja in it. Uh huh. You know the dude with the the hood, like his whole face looks like it's covered. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, then it was yeah, Force the... of One, right? Or is it? Or is it? Yeah, yeah. Good Guys Wear Black, Force of One, Octagon, Eye for an Eye, which was 1981, I think. Silent Rage. Um, Force Vengeance, I think, is next. Force Vengeance, Lone Wolf, Wolf McQuaid. Yeah, Lone Wolf McQuaid, and then we get into the Missing with Action. Uh, yeah. Missing in Action. Thank maybe. God for Lone Wolf yeah. McQuaid because. Force Vengeance and Silent Rage did about a third of what the previous films did. He was on a roll. He was doing like between like 19 and 22 million on average. And then like Silent yeah. Rage and Force Vengeance, I think they made about six or seven. And people were like, is he done? I think that's why he yeah. signed that long-term deal with Canon Pictures for, sure. I mean, yes, he, he had it in his contract that he could be paid you know, more with each increasing picture based on its success. But yeah. I can see how they did those first two missing in action movies for a much lower budget because they got him to shoot them back to back. Probably got him for about yeah. two hundred fifty thousand. I'm guessing. I don't know the whole facts, but but it does seem like it was yeah. an easy grab for Cannon to get a legitimate star besides uh, Charles Bronson. Sure. Yeah. And plus, they released if you if people remember, they released two first, right? Yeah. They released Mission Action Two because that's really the better of the two. Um. Well, certainly the more commercial for me, uh, for me too. Just like Death Wish Three is a more canony uh, picture. That's more of a comic book, you know. It's, yeah. It's, well, the first one's it's, brutal. It's the first one uh, is just yeah, like this, almost like torture. It feels like um, more like an Italian it's, it's, film. It's like it's like the difference between First Blood and First Blood Part Two, right? Yeah, yeah, I see that. So, yeah, like First Blood Part Two is like. Uh, is is totally almost like a canon movie, you know. Right down to the last, the the beautiful last uh, moment where he looks like he's dead in the helicopter and he rips out the fucking uh, RPG, boom, and and dude doesn't know what hit him. But as I say to everyone, think about the the reality of that. Those dudes in the back would have been <laughs> would have been taken out by the you know the the backfire right yeah of the of the of the rpg when he looks over his shoulder they're fine everyone's fine <laughs> but it's a movie man you know what's funny is i look at some of those older movies and i don't know is it is it lower film quality or did they use a fog filter on it or something why does it look so soft the gores of VHS, baby. No, no. I mean, I've seen like remastered <laughs> editions. I, I watched the uh, missing missing in action in uh, HD, and it still looks so foggy. And I'm like, do they just have different film quality overseas? I'm guessing yes. I think I think I, I look. I, if I had to put it down to one thing, I'd put it either down to that, you know, um, and plus also, you know, they're filming on locations in in like you know when when they filmed stuff in Thailand and Manila and and places like that you've got to imagine like the you know uh certainly the film but also maybe where they sent the film to be i, I don't know if they always sent the film back to the states to get it you know that's true save money they could have processed somewhere else yeah so you don't you you know it could be a could be a number of things in the in the photochemical world of course that that's that's not a problem too much anymore but you know um so yeah it could be could be a number of things like that i think you know so those two out of the gate were huge successes, but he needed to fulfill his contract with Orion, and then he came out with Code of Silence, which I think is arguably his most competent, audience-friendly film. Andrew Davis coming—I mean, I think this is his second film he'd done a horror movie. I can't remember the name of it, but 
that's the one with the, he was Andrew Davis has always been really smart because he'll get these guys like him and Steven Seagal and he'll uh, surround him with a really good cast to help exactly. carry the fact that they're not exactly the best actors in the world yeah yeah and it, and it elevates them and I mean that's why um, if you listen to for instance I know it's not Chuck Norris but if you listen to John McTiernan's commentary on Predator um, he talks about you know this was going to be a vehicle for Arnold but what he wanted to do is is give Arnold like a really good actor to bounce off and that's why he got like Carl Weathers horribly you know, underrated I, think, I can't believe that Carl yeah. Weathers never really broke out other than Action Jackson which is an amazing movie yeah and I mean like and he's in the fucking Mandalorian how awesome was that yeah. fucking Carl Weathers in, in this, it was like that's almost as cool as like Donnie Yen in a Star Wars movie right um so yeah, so Carl, you know, so he got Carl Weathers, who is a very good actor, right? He's look, he he's he's an action guy too, or he was, but um, and so you you put really good actors around these guys who are kind of just they I mean, forgive me, Chuck Norris, but I know I know it's a bad analogy, but they're kind of like show ponies. They do, they, <laughs> They are. But think about it in this respect. Like they, they're a one-trick pony, right? Steven Seagal, Van Damme, Chuck Norris, all those dudes are kind of one-trick ponies. They're paid. They're, you put them in movies, they're like John Wayne. John Wayne plays John Wayne. Chuck Norris plays Chuck Norris, right? He plays Chuck Norris. In every movie Chuck Norris is in, he's Chuck Norris. He does an accent, everything like Chuck Norris. He doesn't really play, you know. You couldn't imagine Chuck Norris playing Rain Man. No, I right? totally could. I call it. Uh, Judge Wapner's on. Wapner, Wapner. <laughs> and kick the TV. <laughs> right? And instead of counting cards, he can kick ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, 240 foot punches, 240 punches, <laughs> 12 kicks. Yeah. It's like, how many how many moves did you use to take out that guy? Oh, 375. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they knew right. who they were, so I. I it, really smart to surround it with guys who could uh you know act i mean henry silva is a horribly underrated action villain he was like everywhere yeah. in the 80s yeah and he really and and he's really at his best when he when he does and says nothing like he's really just fucking sinister just looking at you you know yeah. like um like like i love Reed, a guy i would have loved to have sat down with for any amount of time five minutes right is fucking richard lynch oh totally yeah Richie Lynch, and uh, it, it fits into our Chuck Norris talk because he's a bad guy in Invasion USA. Um, Richard Lynch doesn't have to say a damn thing on screen. He is sinister enough just sitting there looking at you, right? Even going way, way back to his like one of his early performances in Scarecrow, you know, the... Oh, the yeah, I just watched that for the first time. Off. Horrifying. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and he's just, like... Even just sort of sitting there, even like, you know, he was like trying to essentially seduce um, uh, Al Pacino. He, he, you can tell that there's sinister like shit behind his look, right? He's just got that look, right? That's why he is, he is the perfect uh, sort of uh, villain of, of, of the era that we've, all the eras we've been, we've discussed since we've been doing this. He is like the quintessential villain. I loved him in Death Sport. I love him in uh, the, the, the Sword and the Sorcerer. Oh, yeah, 7-Ups. Um, yeah, like, he's just... 
you know, Trances 2, you know, I mean, um, everything, you know, and it was, I, I remember I went to see, I remember I went to see Rob, I know this is, we're not talking about Chuck Norris, no, but I know we'll I went to it. see, uh, we went, I went to see, I remember I went to see Rob Zombie's Halloween movie, the very first, the one he remade, right? Uh-huh. And, man, I cheered in the cinema, <laughs> Because Richard Lynch is it plays, he doesn't really say, he doesn't really have a line. He plays like the principal of the school or something. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. But uh, he's he has a very small part in it. And um, I remember when I, I watched it on DVD again and listened to the commentary. And Rob Zombie, actually, that movie, is a very good director's commentary. He's a really chatty dude. You look at him, you wouldn't think he had too much to say, but he does. Um, a very knowledgeable filmmaker. And... Um, and he says, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Richard Lynch. And I'm like, yes, you know, but he doesn't have really much to do. But, um, you know, he was, he was, that was almost one of his last uh, things he ever did. Um, so, but yeah, just a wonderful Cyborg 3 is another one. Um, yeah. But let's, let's talk about character. one of his major villain roles in Invasion USA, which is one of the craziest, most violent, big-budget Charles Bronson, sorry, I did it, Chuck Norris movies, and it's highly entertaining and truly reprehensible. <laughs> don't don't cross the Chucks, Michael. It, it could be it, it could be bad. It's like one of those Ghostbuster <laughs> things where I get open up a wormhole. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's that, I mean. That movie, if you watch that movie, that, the documentary Electric Boogaloo, like that movie was going to be so, they reckon, so much better than what it was, but they kind of, like, Menachem kind of just said, oh, look, we have all these action scenes. <laughs> and and the, the, the rest of the movie was kind of thrown away because they were just thinking all these sort of uh, set pieces, and, and the plot kind of got pushed further and further to the side. So it's not, it's, it, it, like, to watch it, it's fun. Like, and... Um, I was actually talking about this with my wife the other day. Like, what do you really focus on when you watch a movie? Like you yourself, Michael. What do you what do you focus on when you watch a movie? Do you focus on the plot, the characters, or or the? St- I guess the characters. I don't know. Okay, so I, I want I want yes. good actors. I want original characters. Sometimes it, I don't know. I just don't want to be bored. Yeah, exactly. So. But you don't really focus when you watch a movie for the first time and you enjoy it. You don't really focus on the minutia of the plot, do you? Like whether everything connects or not. Oh God, no! When people tell me that later, I'm like, oh, I didn't right. even notice that. I, I, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. So you really, you, the 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 beautiful thing about canon when we when always when we're talking about canon, is that's kind of the market that they cater for, is people that don't, you know, you don't have to really join all the dots and make sure all the plot works out or anything like that. It's kind of about the joy of watching movies. Like, Menachem was that kind of guy. Oh, yeah, he clearly, loved, a... he clearly loved movies. Yeah. It's not like Roger Menachem, Corman. Yeah. Roger Corman has always no, no. been a guy who was a money guy. He wasn't really focused on uh, having fun making movies. He was more about, oh, can I keep the studio going for another couple of years? Menachem, man, he burned yeah. hard and bright. Yeah, and he's like... He, he, you know, and I always try to like, I always try to maintain that one, you know, with myself. Like, I don't ever want to get too cynical about cinema, um, because I think about that guy, you know, being, you know, the age that he was when he's running Canon, right? And he's still watching and loving movies like a four-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, still looking looking at movies and thinking about making movies with 
with, not with a businessman, not like not the age that he was, and the and the the the, the co-owner of this uh, company, more like a kid, like oh, I would love to, you know, almost like a kid with a box of crayons, going, geez, I'd love to see a movie about this, and he just draws it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that that passion infuses a lot of of Canon's cinema, and and certainly. Uh, the Chuck Norris editions um, to its legacy, you know? Yeah, I don't know if 100% you consider them trying to go legit, because that seems like they would do that later when they try to sign Stallone. And, you know, they had Roger Moore and Richard Chamberlain and uh, Robert Mitchum and stuff like that in their catalog by 84, 85. Chuck Norris is more sure. like, look, this dude has a built-in fan base. We can make money off these to use to fund the other movies. And I think it was worth yeah. them to sign it was such a long deal. It's just too bad in 87 when they collapsed is when the budget started getting cut real fast. Yeah. And and to the film's detriment in some cases. But they're still they're still fun, but you can you can visibly see the lack of you know, they're not well produced movies. No, it's like I mean? the you can see in 88 when it becomes like the Albert Pion school of filmmaking where it's real tight sure, budget. Yeah. yeah, editing and chopping yeah, and adding yeah. extra stuff into it. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, look, these guys are talented enough. The directors they have are talented enough filmmakers to still make these films enjoyable. But it, it, it sometimes, depending on the talent of the the director and, and the photographer and the editor, especially, um, these films uh, can look and and the the fact that they look and feel like underproduced just sticks out for me, right? Yeah, um, and it. I'm not saying I'm not saying that detracts me from watching it, but it's definitely like a little bit of stigma in the room while I'm watching it. Like, oh, this, geez, this would be good if they had thrown a bit more money at that, or developed that a bit more, or, or maybe sprung for one of those. You know, uh, even though it's low budget, you think of little things that like, that might have helped if they had have maybe spent more money on getting a decent photo- photographer instead of a, a you know a four-year-old kid with a phone camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that, and well, uh, if we look at, I think their peak of quality when it comes to Chuck Norris is Delta Force, full cast, filled with great actors, tons yeah, of action sequences all over the place, great score by Alan Silvestri. I think that's the and big difference. Rob, and fucking Robert Forrester. Oh yeah, great, great villain. Ah, uh, Robert, geez, Robert Forrester. That's why I like. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's a great movie. Uh, but after I felt, after, since I've watched it and I've thought about it, people say to me, Tarantino, like, sit down and watch a Tarantino movie. Most of the time, it's Jackie Brown. Oh, totally. That's mine, too. It's, I know a lot of people were like, Jack- it's so slow. I'm like, it's his most mature, most confident film, I think. And yeah, after Jackie that, Brown. He- and, the, and the performances are gold. The two, the two leads, essentially, uh-huh. uh, Pam, Pam Greer and Robert Forrester, um, uh, just... Robert Forrester has never shone so brightly in his career, man. He's he really he really did like almost like a David. He's like the David Carradine of that as what David Carradine was to Kill Bill Volume Two. Um, that's Robert Forrester, man, in, in Jackie Brown. Like like David Carradine has never been more David Carradine than right, than right, Kill yeah. Bill. He really boiled down what what their essence is. Now, in Delta Force, yeah. though, Robert Forrester is completely playing like against his normal type. This is, I think, his first villainous role, and you know, he plays yeah. he plays the Middle East. I think Iranian is Iranian in this one. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, I think he's supposed to be Iranian. Yeah, 
But, you know, there's all these... I love the fact that they have this huge force they built. And Liam Neeson's in there in the background. We got Steve James. I know. I know. I know. It's just, like, it's it's one of those... Like, before... you know, What people forget is this all, all this stuff is happening before the Expendables. Like, the Expend... Like, the way people feel about the Expendables now... It's kind of like how we felt when these movies were new, right? You're like, oh, fucking Lee Marvin and Chuck Norris? Are you kidding? That's fantastic. And and Robert Forrester and, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, I mean, well, that's the way I see it. I can't speak for everyone else. Can't speak for you viewers, but I'm, I'm telling you, the same, when, when, when people today see, like, two actors that are famous, for, or two actors that they like and are famous today, teaming up in a movie um you know it's it's almost incredible it's like i mean the best the, the most current example is probably like the irishman like what like all us guys are like oh fuck cool it's like it's like casino again it's gonna have you know it's like casino meets goodfellas and it's got and it's got robert de niro in it um you know it's like the it's like scorsese it's like Scorsese doing a Tarantino, like getting his his all of his actors that have been like like if, if it had Leonardo DiCaprio in it because let's face it, Scorsese and Di, Scorsese and DiCaprio need to get a room. Um, <laughs> uh, if it had DiCaprio in it, it'd almost be like Scorsese writing a Valentine to his his cinema, his movies. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you know, well, it, feels, like, it feels a little De Palma too because we have Al Pacino for the first well not the first time because he was in that. What's that shitty cop movie where they partners? I don't count Heat because they're barely on the screen together. What's that terrible one? Righteous Kill? It's oh, Righteous oh, Kill? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was crap, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's why I can't remember it because I... <laughs> I think most of us wiped it out of our like, brains. Uh, yeah, because it was like, oh, really? That's, yeah. that's the That's the movie you get those two guys to do, you know? So it's like... You know, it's but it but it, it's good. It's good in one essence because it makes heat so much more uh, exultant. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because, but this because good. Yeah, because that I mean, let's face it, that that coffee shop scene is cinema history, folks. Uh, doesn't matter which way you slice it. You know, I was <laughs> thinking that uh, Mission in Action launched a franchise, and Delta Force launched a fr- launched a franchise. I don't. I, Invasion USA did launch technically a sequel, but it's so confusing because it's Matt Hunter, but it's a different actor, and it doesn't repeat anything else from that movie. And that's um, yeah. Avenging Force, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's what what I suppose what they refer to as a uh, spiritual sequel. Yeah, because I think they sold it. <laughs> they sold it as yeah. if Chuck Norris was going to be in it, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to do Firewalker instead. Because, you know, he had and never got, done comedy, and that looked like it was going to be a franchise, got, too, but it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But Firewalker is... Man, I watched Firewalker the other night. I just I just actually got it on Blu-ray not long ago. Um, and, yeah, what a wonderful, what a wonderful, wonderful... Uh, not only a canon movie, but just a fun, you know, quintessential 80s Chuck Norris... Lewis Gossett Jr. Yeah, well, it feels like an Indiana uh, Jones kind of thing. You know, they were hot off the, what yeah. was it, King Solomon's Mines? And I am almost certain it's how yeah. they made Firewalker. Yeah, well, we did, we did those two movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we did the, yeah, they were good. They were good, good fun. And, I mean, shit, it's got Sonny Landham as the villain. 
Um, it's got uh, oh, I can't think of a name from Flash Gordon. Oh. Oh, her name's just gone. Melanie. Um, Mel- Melanie something. Yeah, yeah. Crap. I can't think of a name. Uh, fucking Chief Anderson. Uh, Melanie Anderson. Is that it? Yeah, fucking. Yeah. Chief Dan George. Yeah, this is one of the very Holy first VHS shit. we ever bought. I think the first. I know it's Firewalker, Three Amigos, Top Gun. That's beautiful, Three Amigos. Uh, I can't remember what the other movie was. Well, it was always four movies when you joined Columbia Pictures and then it turned into six. Or not Columbia Pictures, uh, Columbia House. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Firewalker was definitely one of those very first where I would stare at the cover for hours, like seeing every little detail because it was one of those classic painted covers. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I screwed up, folks. Not, not, I was thinking Chief Dan George. No, it's... William San- uh, Will Sampson from One Flew Over the Cougar's Nest. Oh, Nets. right, yeah. Did I ever tell uh, you that I live t- I live down the road from where they shot that? That's awesome, really. Yeah, I, we played uh, frisbee golf in front of the location. It's still a mental asylum. And you can do a tour, which is... Yeah. That's that, that's incredible. <laughs> you, you, can, you can do a tour of the floor where there well, was... Well, they set uh, up part uh, of the building with a museum. So you get to see some, okay, of the, right. some of the set pieces and stuff like that where they filmed and uh, a right. lot of the pictures and props and stuff like that. But that's yeah. it. Yeah, and, and devotees stare at the blank TV and pretend they're watching baseball and stuff like that. <laughs> they do have a TV <laughs> running. <laughs> That'd be fun. Turn on the goddamn ball game. <laughs> the, um, so yeah, Firewalker sadly is, didn't launch a franchise. And I think that was kind of a sign of things to come. Because everything in 86 that they tried to launch basically bombed. Because Runaway Train bombed, even though it got all the acclaim. Uh, Invaders from Earth. No, Invaders from Mars. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And Firewalker, like the big, should have been hits. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, to this day, like, like, uh, Chainsaw 2 is... is, uh, Chainsaw, you know, like, Chainsaw 2, Firewalker, Death Wish 3... I mean, they're just, oh man, there's such a good night in, man. There's such a good night in. I would throw in Life Force <laughs> just for extra fun. Well, oh yeah, Life Force, yeah, totally. Invader, uh, yeah, Invaders from Mars too, yeah. But Life Force, definitely. The, yeah, so, but but that's, that's a sign of things that come, and then 87, of course, there's the Notorious uh, Master mm. Universe and Superman 4 that bomb over the, the top. Quest, oh yeah, oh yeah, Quest, quest for Peace. The Quest yeah. crap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw man, I saw all three of those in the theater. I just realized I saw Over the Top, Quest for Peace, and Mass Universe all in one year. That's fantastic. And I didn't even know there's anything wrong with them. I actually, I still argue, yes, there's no yeah. budget for a proper Mass Universe, but what they gave us was amazing. Yep, and and you know what, the new one that they're doing with Sony, we'll, we'll never touch it. Right? It'll be it'll be it'll be fancy. It'll be expensive. But it'll never be, you know, because let's let's think about this now. We're we're that we're like we're the age now that our parents were when our parents were showing us like movies they grew up with, and saying, "Oh, those modern movies aren't as good as ours." Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so we're in that. We're now in that sphere. Yeah. So, well, eighty-seven. You know, it was good. a it was a handmade film. Now we have CGI yeah. and we can do anything, and it doesn't feel as special. Mm. My only. I'll tell you one quibble I have, and, and most people that know me well know it. I love Masters of the Universe. The poster is in front of my desk, um, and I've had it since then. It's, it's, uh, did it's you actually win, a British... Did, did you win it in the contest? It's a, 
Did I win in the contest? Nah, did, did you guys have that contest? Why. When the movie came out, they had this massive contest, and I won the movie poster as well, but it got ruined during a move. But I had that right. on my wall, and I was like, oh, what else could you have won? I was just shocked. I never won. I have literally never won anything in my life except for that right. poster. <laughs> yeah. No, no I, didn't, I didn't win the poster. I, um, actually, my uncle was coming over from England, and I spoke to him. I'd never met him. I'd spoke to him. I spoke to him on the phone, and ironically, I spoke to him on the phone the night, the, the night after I came home. I'd just seen Masters of the Universe, and I was telling him, how much I loved Masters of the Universe. And when he came over, he brought a, a British quad uh, of the the British Masters of the Universe uh, poster. Yeah, and those are the fold-up uh, posters, right? Yeah, and the, oh, the artwork is the same but a little bit different. You can see it online. For, it is really a beautiful poster. It's the British, uh, British yeah. quad version. I prefer quad posters because they look widescreen. Yeah, and it's and it's great. It's like it's like a, a panorama. Like there's, they can have the two characters, but then they can lead off and they can do some some cool stuff and put other characters and maybe a little bit of a action scene there. Yeah, because we usually uh, don't get a, that. A, we ours are the same shape as the VHS box, and they lose yeah. a lot of the art. Yeah, quads are quads are beautiful posters. Like whenever I I, I look for like I would, uh, I got a friend who has it. I don't personally have it. I I tried to get one was a, a quad of the Big Trouble in China, which is a completely different artwork to the oh. Struzan version. But, yeah, beautiful poster. But, um, yeah, getting back to Ch Chucky, <laughs> our boy Chucky, he does, yeah. uh, he does uh, Braddock, of course. Yeah, which I think is a fine film. And, in fact, in my opinion, mm. I think it's the best of the three. Yep, yep, I'm going to go with you there. I'll, I'll stand by that. The also, action, yeah, the action's better. He's got real yeah. motivation. I'm not that he's rescuing other, you know, POWs isn't motivation, but his family is now in this yeah. one. And yeah. was it Soon Tech O is the villain, I think, in the third one? And he's just no, it's not. It's uh, a Key Elyong, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, Aki Leong. Yeah. yeah, but it was yeah, a bomb. Totally. It was a bomb, and that was kind of a sign of things was. to come. It's, it sucks. It was, it was, and ironically, I feel the same way about the Rambo, the three Rambo movies. Forget the new ones. Um, I, I feel the same way about the Rambo. Like I, I will, I will watch Braddock uh, before the others, and ironically, I watch Rambo three more than the other two. Rambo three is the comic book one. That is where he's almost a superhero. Yeah. It's so big, it's so bombastic. I can't, I, yeah, yeah. you can't hate it. It's so much fun. Yeah, and I mean it's and and um, I'm 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 proud to say always it was one of my grandmother's favorite movies. Huh, okay. <laughs> she was my 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 grand. I, I can I can I, in my head I can recount about at least thirty or so times I came into the house to come and see her and she was watching either Rambo three when it was on TV or she had a videotape which she taped off TV <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then eventually I got her the DVD which when wow. DVDs came out. So yeah, she was uh, she was a real. She said Rambo three is a good a good afternoon movie. That's you know so I mean? different <laughs> than my grandmother. My grandmother would turn off the TV if it was even the mildest yeah. like stress. She never watched yeah, movies. She, loved, she never watched TV. Yeah, she loves Stallone. She uh, that and that and I think Cliffhanger was her other favorite Stallone picture. Hey, how can you hate that one? All right, so yeah, before we derail too far, uh, but I don't think yep. it's even Braddock's fault. This is when Cannon ran out of money. 
So instead of putting, yes. they, they were the they were what a regular putting around twelve hundred to fifteen hundred screens with their movies. This I think it was like yep. eight hundred, and they had no money for promotion. They're doing like three million dollars promotion. If the movie is out there, but people don't know it, of course it's not going to do as well. Yeah, well, this is like you said. This is, this is, um, this is we're heading we're heading towards the death knell here. We're we're really, um, you know, Canon is on its last legs at this point. And, yeah, and and they've 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 really they really blew their wad in the wrong places. Um, Lockie's very cleverly pointed out. I can't remember the person who says it in the documentary, but they 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 strayed from the formula and paid the price. Yeah, well, right? also fifty two mo- movies in one year. Who makes 52 yeah, movies it, in 96 or in 86 or whatever and, and does that properly? It's not going to happen. No, but it'll, 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 the, the beauty of canon is it will never be repeated. Ever. It'll never be repeated. No one, not even the big streaming companies that throw ridiculous sums of money to have all of these uh, original movies for their streaming service will ever top what canon did yeah. uh, in its time. It's just it, it is it's a combination of passion, salesmanship, and just balls, just really big balls, right? Just saying we're gonna make all these fucking movies. Have you got a good idea for me? Here's a poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? promising big. Well, they spent so much yeah, money. Well, I think they were spending a lot of money trying to license stuff. And what Robotech was a yeah. flop, and uh, Master Universe didn't do well. They tried to do Master Universe two. Uh, Spider-Man, I think they tried to do Captain America, and just none of it worked. Yeah, I mean, it really is, when we get back to talking about Menachem, and this, I mean, this whole bit isn't isn't irrelevant to our discussion, but you think about a guy who just sits and thinks about what movie he can make next, or what movie he can produce next, and someone tells him an idea, and he goes, oh, that's a good movie for, we'll put, you know, Michael Dudikoff in it. Like, Mike, can you imagine Michael Dudikoff as Spider-Man? Right? Can you imagine if Canon had made that Spider-Man movie with Michael Dudikoff? As, Bob Hoskins, as, I think, right? It was supposed to be Bob Hoskins yeah, as Dr. Octopus? Yeah, as, as Peter Parker, like, uh, obviously a much older Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> you know, he's not the, he's not the boy, uh, he's not the schoolboy that, that, uh, that, the, that the MCU will, will have us uh, pay billions of dollars to, to <laughs> make the... You know, he was he was gonna be the American Ninja as Spider Man. Um, well, if it might, if I, I was reading into this, Menachem didn't know what Spider Man was. He thought he was just another ninja. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there is okay. So, so there's a, a podcast called uh, Movies That Didn't Get Made or Almost Got. Hold on, let me see. Movies That Almost Got Made, and they have three episodes devoted to like the ninety different versions of. Um, oh, a Spider-Man. Let me let me look up the name of it. Uh, but while we while I look that up, uh, let's talk about when he strayed away from the formula and he tried to do another killer movie, which didn't work the first time with Silent Rage. But then he did uh, Hero and the Taylor. Uh, Taylor. Hero and the Taylor. Terror. That's all right. Yeah. Tinker Taylor Hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Um. It's uh, yeah, I not I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I watch it at a pinch. Um, someone says, "Hey, you want to watch Hero on the Terror?" Yeah, yeah, but I don't. It's not. It's not a big one for me. It's not. It's it's not one I. It's not one I instinctively go, you know, to, you know, you know, not as much as the Hitman. 
No, uh, yeah. What, don't we have a, one between that though? Is that when he, he took another year off and he did Delta Force Two, which for my money, yeah, is highly underrated. Yeah, the Colombian Connection, man. That's yeah, that's a good. Cool, oh, it's called it's called uh, yeah. Best Movies Never Made. They do an epic three episode uh, script reading of all of different versions of the canon. And as you watch, it goes from Doctor Octopus, and it has like a fifteen million dollar budget to a two and a half million dollar budget. And he's just taking on some random criminals. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's that's oh, you learn something new every day. I didn't know that, but man, that's almost like that's the the idea of the the concept of Michael Dudikoff playing Spider Man is almost as good as Nicolas Cage playing Superman. Yeah, you're well. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like he's like. He thought he was a ninja. That's that's probably the greatest revelation I've had today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, Delta Force Two. Spider-Man this is, is just... this one. You can tell they had a rule at Canon. Uh, once they ran out of money, is every budget has to be five million dollars. It cannot go above that, preferably lower. So you can see they're squeaking out every single cent in the Columbia Connection on the two big action set pieces, especially the parachute skydiving sequence. And they ditch most of the names. I think you have um, Richard, ah um, oh shit, Richard Jekyll, I think it is. Basically, and, and Billy Drago, basically the only other names in the movie. Yeah, Richard Jekyll's fantastic. Wouldn't what it be great though if they had Steve James come back? I would have loved that. Steve James, yeah, man. He was, yeah. There's, I think there's a, doc- actually, off topic again, I think there's a documentary. I- I know I read something like his son was trying to make a document or, or crowdfunding a documentary about him or about his father. I would love to see that. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what happened to it. I, I remember seeing a post, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, that he was he was working on it or trying to fund it or something. But he had plans to make a documentary about his father. But yeah, but uh, that would be cool. Very cool. Awesome. We lost uh, Billy Drago this year, who was uh, just the king yeah. of. I mean, yes, he did a couple of theatrical films, but after basically after this is when he became like the king of directed video movies. That's true. Yeah, he was he was the go-to uh, uh, your 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 token. But he almost became what uh, sort of Henry Silva and Richard Lynch were. Yeah, I can see that. Like the next generation. Yeah, yeah, he was almost like the next sort of the next one. The, yeah, uh, and did it well. Yeah, yeah, it well. he, it's great. Yeah, he knew what he could do, and he did it very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, you know, he, 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 you know, some actors find it very difficult to shake. Like once he did, you know, like the Untouchables, he probably found it very difficult to shake because people wanted him to be that character. Yeah, but at the same you time, know? you didn't have to go searching for a paycheck. You, he knew that he didn't want to have to audition very much. That they would just go, hey, we'll give you fifty thousand dollars. You only have to work for like two weeks in this, you know, like uh, China O'Brien three or whatever that he was working on at the time. And uh, sure. there is no China O'Brien three. Don't go looking for it. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we, uh, we got two. We're happy. Yeah, I mean, what do we? I, I, when people complain about what actors and directors do for a living, you know, why would you do this role? It's like, what do you do for a living? You phone it in. You zombie exactly. it out, and you do it for a lot less money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's plenty of big movie stars that do it for oh, a lot yeah. of money. Oh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> people Bruce Willis every day. <laughs> the, um, yeah. He's just, he's just got to, he's got to stand there, looks at the camera, gives him the Willis and leaves. Yeah. It's right? like a million dollars. Thank you for right? two days. Work. <laughs> and uh, if you can do it, do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, he's not, yeah. And he's not, you know, I mean, but the guy, I mean, 
you know, we really should do like a Nicolas Cage podcast. But that's a different story. Get but, yeah, in the cage. Uh, Read in the cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, we'll call it despite all our rage, we're just talking about Nicolas Cage. Oh, that, um, that is so, good. That's a bit of a big poster, though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the um the, but, the final uh, two not as long as the go away. Yep. I have to admit yeah, my phone is the about to... two, yep. my phone doesn't have a lot of power left. I apologize. I can't charge it. <laughs> so... uh. Um Skype eats up my battery like crazy. I don't know why. But uh let's talk about the final two canon pictures and it's the Hitman. This is when they started filming it's no longer 5 million. Now they're talking like two and a half, three million dollars shot in Canada. You see it in this, you see it in um Death Wish 5. They almost feel like they were shot back to back. Yeah, totally. Totally. And and this movie poster is like one of the greatest like things floating around. People on the internet may have seen it, you know, Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris. Yeah. Or uh, Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris's mullet or what, whatever it was uh, that goes around every now and again. I've seen it a whole bunch of times. But uh, I like it. I like it. I don't know what it's about it that I like. And it's not Chuck Norris with a mullet. Um, <laughs> well, it's because he's you know, a villain. Even though he's never been a villain before. Did you? Yeah. Did you? I mean, did you finally? You got. You said you you hadn't seen Hellbound. Did you finally get to watch yeah, it? Yeah, I watched it. I don't hate it, but you can clearly see that is the end shot. You notice the end of Twenty First Century Corporation and uh, Canon Pictures. They started shooting all their movies over, like in Israel, like yeah, in, totally. in much much lower budget. They're using all synth scores. You can just feel it's like the last gasp. The only movie out of that, I think, where they spent some more money, well, I would say two movies, Street Night and Rescue Me, seem like there's a little bit more money spent on it. Yeah, totally, yeah. But, um, yeah, Chuck Norris's mullet, you know, is... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> isn't is is bad, it's a little bit, it's like you said, it's, it's different for Chuck Norris, he was stretching. Um, <laughs> well, that's, was, that's well, he, he went back to horror with Hellbound, this, this time it's a straight-up horror, because he's facing off against, like, a satanic demon. And Sidekicks yeah. is a kind of a sidestep. It's not with Canon Pictures, but it almost feels like a Canon Pictures movie. I think it was a Triumph, where he's doing comedy, and this time it works. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's you know it's 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 it, look if you if you have to watch Chuck Norris in a light sort of movie, it's better than watching Top Dog. Um, yeah, I've never been able to do that. Yeah. One. <laughs> when yeah. uh, there's been this argument over what exactly is the final Canon Films movie, I always thought it was American right. Cyborg. Because I remember that being in theaters. I want to say it was January of '94, but then they're saying Hellbound was the last one. Because, but it wasn't technically. I don't think it even went to theaters. But I think it went straight to video. But then I've heard Chain of Command yeah. is somewhere in there where it was their last release. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah, I, I, I would have, if asked, I would have gone with you. Because I, I only ever saw Hellbound was straight to video for us at least. I never, I, I didn't even know if it. I was pretty sure it was straight to video. I never heard of it having a theatrical release. I can't imagine Hellbound playing in cinemas. It's so boring. It's so <laughs> boring. Yeah. Though Christopher Niami kind of... gives a really good performance as the villain. Oh, sure, yeah. But I just, you know, it's one of those, it's a movie where I, I well, I've seen a few movies that have played in cinemas and I can't imagine them playing in cinemas. So, But I, I definitely can't imagine Hellbound playing in cinemas. But I would have answered similar to you, American Cyborg. For, for well, and you know, certainly, certainly the the the, the last you know proper release anyway. Yeah, Delta Force Three, I believe, was the first time. I think it's the first time that Canon Pictures went straight to video. Most of the time, they release it like on 10, 20 screens. You know, like uh, Journey to the Center of Earth, and I'm trying to get some of the other ones. Like, what's that one uh, with um, 
a gore. You know, those movies were released at least on a handful yeah. of screens. But I want to say that uh, Delta Force 3 was the very first time they went straight to video, no theatrical or whatsoever. That was, yeah. yeah. Straight straight to the straight to the source. Straight yeah. to the... And, uh, to the v, v <laughs> to the H to the S. Delta Force 3 is weird. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it real quick because it's connected to, you know, Chuck, uh, Charles Bronson. Damn it! Chuck Norris! <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a weird movie because it's a gimmick casting. Everybody is the son of somebody famous. That's right. That's right. Yep. It's one of those. It's weird. one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, you know, I mean, uh, and we talk about, we talk about these, you know, because in the, in, in light of, of, of sort of the way cinema went, you know, but, um, I can remember, uh, I can like, just like I told you, I think I told you last time I cheered, you know, I got up and cheered when the Avengers assemble, uh, happened. I think that I got up and applauded when Chuck Norris showed up in Expendables. <laughs> I can see that. Um, I think I think that uh, of 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 all of like forget Expendables three. Like I know a lot. Of, I, I, forgive me, Frank Mangarelli. I know three is is one of his favorites. Oh God, I love three. Uh, That's my favorite. Yeah. So apologize yeah, to me, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I apologize. You no, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but I don't, I, I don't hate three, but I like two better. Right. And, a... and 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 mainly because Chuck Norris shows up in it. Yeah. And and I like and I like the I like the the backward and I like Arnie doing all of his old like everyone doing Arnie shtick back to him. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was kind of funny. Also groan worthy though at the yeah. same time. Yeah. That was pretty much what it was. But, top yeah. Dog, and then he did for years. He did Walker Texas Ranger, which. It's amazing is I didn't know that Canon Pictures actually funded the Walker Texas Ranger pilot, but because they ran out of money, they had to sell the rights to another company, and if they just had a little bit more money to go, that could have saved the studio. There's so much money made off of Walker. Yeah, gee whiz, yeah. I didn't, I honestly, I didn't know that. Yeah, they sold it, they they had the rights, they produced it, they had the video rights, they called it One Riot, One Ranger. I don't know if you guys ever got that. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I'd, and and plus I didn't, I, I, I won't say as much as I like Chuck Norris. I, I wasn't a, I didn't. Oh no, that's a lot. That is a hot Walker garbage. Texas. Fucking Walker Texas yeah. Ranger. It was on for like yeah, nine years, yeah. and there's no way. I just can't do it. Yeah, I didn't. To be quite honest, I don't watch a lot of TV um, shows. You know, there's a few that stand out for me, and certainly when I was growing up. But I'm mainly a movie guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, but I. I as much as I like Chuck, I wasn't like, I didn't sit every week to watch fucking Texas Ranger. <laughs> um, but, I, but, but I do, I, I do like the fact that uh, in the Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, um, his kids' names are Walker and Texas Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Did you ever see the one? He came back for one more movie, and it was called The Cutter with Daniel Bernhardt and Joanna Pakula. Did you ever see that yeah. one? I never saw it. I haven't seen all of it. To be honest, I've seen the start of it. I haven't seen the end of it. Yeah, I just right. Because like kind of... I was at, I, I was actually at when it when that came out, I was at a friend's house and had the DVD, and and we, his I don't know if he was girlfriend or his wife. I don't I can't remember if he was married to her or not. Um, but she she and someone else were watching it, and I was talking to him and we were going out, and I was kind of just 
while I was waiting for him to get ready, I was sort of sitting at the kitchen table across from the, where the lounge was, and I was sort of vicariously watching it with them. Um, but I, I, I didn't see enough of it to, to, to tell you whether how I thought about it. I was like, oh, hey, you're watching a Chuck Norris movie. I haven't seen this one before. Um, you know, so I only watched that little bit. So I was only there for one and a half an hour of it. I'm sure so, it yeah. seems like the kind of thing you can find streaming easily. I'm sure it's on some app. Probably. I'll find it somewhere. Probably. Fuck it, I'm Probably. gonna watch it after this. I just want to know, <laughs> like if I can make it past yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I honestly can't give you a uh, enough of a, a, a critique on it because I haven't seen all of it. Um, I'd have to. I really have to watch all of it to tell you. All it, right. Before I sort of, yeah. But, well, um, yeah. <laughs> we hit the end. Yeah. So, yeah. favorite canon movie uh, with uh, Chuck Norris? Well, God, it's like asking me to choose between my children. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Firewalker. Okay. I'm going to say Delta Force. Okay, is... I'll go with. No, we're going to do the an hour later. Well, well, hold on. I think maybe how about. No, well, no, no. Nobody says how about. Nobody says how about. Yeah. It's like saying yeah, Kinjite. No, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, um, that's the first one that pops into my head. They, they say you should always go with the first impulse. Yeah. Uh, but, but it, it'd have to be, you know, like a photo finish between Delta Force and, uh, actually it's a three-way sort of tie. It's sort of Delta Force and, and, uh, Firewalker and a little bit Invasion USA in there too. For me, um, I want to say Delta Force is like the only legit, like that's a high quality, anybody can watch that kind of movie. And the reason why it was a hit. Sure, sure. Just like Runaway Train. But yeah. Invasion USA yeah. is so fucking bonkers, I gotta go with that. Yeah. It's non-stop yeah. insanity. Yeah. And just, you know, uh, Chuck Norris versus uh, Richard Lynch is, is a is a nice uh, a yeah. nice cherry it's on not just Richard Lynch. Lynch. It is like an armada. He takes on people in the mall, and it turns just it just keeps building and building and building. You're like, how far are they going to go with this insanity? And they just keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit like that. It's a bit like that scene in Armadeus where he's telling them about this opera that he's writing. He goes, you know, uh, solo turns into duet, duet turns into trio, trio turns into quartet, and he goes, how long do you think I can keep that going, Majesty? And he goes, 11 minutes or whatever it is, I can't remember, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, in this case, they keep it going for the duration of the whole movie. Um, so it's, it's, it really is uh, kind of silly brilliant. Um, but, yeah. But it's, it's a Chuck Norris movie, you know. You know. The facts, you know, it's, it's like those books uh, with the, <laughs> the dodgy facts about Chuck Norris. Um, <laughs> you know. Chuck Norris doesn't wear shirts. Shirts wear him or whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. Um, okay, the, my, phone, my phone's almost dead, so let's plug away before I go. I apologize. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, well, look, always check me out on podcasting. So I've got some great interviews coming up with uh, ooh, lots of people. Uh, one in particular um, that is related to a, a, a Tale of Two Chuck story is uh, getting to interview Robert Bronzy. Now, people say, uh, who is Robert Bronzy? Michael, do you know who Robert Bronzy yes, is? Yes, the Charles Bronson lookalike. He's the man from Death Kiss, man. He's, uh, I, I spoke to the director of Death Kiss uh, not that long ago, and um, I said, look, I'd love to talk to this or, or it, it be in any position to interview this 
this guy because it is uncanny. I actually saw, you let me see a sneak preview. Uh, horror, 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 B movie horror fans, I think, are going to love this movie. It's called Cry Havoc. It's, uh, it's part of a series that uh, Rene Perez has uh, done with this character Havoc. He's kind of like Jason meets Mike Myers on steroids. Um, wow. A lot of steroids. <laughs> uh, well, and, I know he's going to be and, that Once uh, Upon a Time in Deadwood with Michael Pere. I, I saw the poster for that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's going to be a cool one too. But Cry Havoc is is fun, and Havoc uh, is back. This time, it's it's Havoc versus Bronzy. And just let me tell you, there is uh, this guy. This guy is doesn't just look like Charles Bronson. He fucking acts like Charles wow. Bronson. He walks like Charles. He walks like Charles Bronson. When he pulls out a gun and shoots, he pulls out a gun and shoots like fucking Charles Bronson. When he grabs the girl and pleads with her, he does it like Charles Bronson. That's a nerdy. This guy is a... Except for this dude's natural voice, because I think he's like Hungarian or something. Um, so he's dubbed. But, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, well, not not badly. It's, it's a convincing sort of dub. It's not... A ridiculous like just imagine me dubbing myself for american audience it's like okay michael thank you very much for having me on your show okay so um so it's not it's not like a stupid dub like that it's it's a it's a it's a very uh, close to imagine like a a charles bronson-y type that sort of dry quiet sort of voice you know what i mean yeah you know because he never like charles bronson never really yelled or or uh, spoke uh in in, in elevated uh, tones um, so yeah, so it, this this is so uncanny, and and I've just got to tell you, there's a scene at the end. You'll know it if you ever watch it, um, where the uh, our characters face off, and this dude shapes up to this uh, the personification of a nightmare, the uh, a, a nightmare personified character, and it comes down to bron- Bronzy versus the devil. Okay, um, and. Well, I, I say the devil in, you know, comparing this character to a, to a walking nightmare or like he's the, he's the personification of Satan on earth or whatever. He's just, just evil. He's like, you know, like a lot of these, um, mindless monolithic horror characters, they're almost like jaws on two legs. You know what I mean? Um, so he shapes up to this character like, and, and, the way he does it is so fucking beautiful. Like for for a B, uh, gotta remember this is a B. This isn't a big movie. This is a B movie, but it B movies. Jaws is a B movie, right? Um, if if Jaws had been made by Roger Corman, we'd be talking about Jaws in the B movie. We'd be talking about Jaws as a a cinematic, uh, uh, you know, pillar of heaven, the cinematic pillar of heaven. Um, we're we're talking about. Uh, B movies here, but the way he sort of does this, he does this move like when he's preparing to do battle with this thing, and you'll know it if you ever watch it. And it is, it is almost as beautiful as uh, on your left, right? On your that's all I'll say. On your left. Right? Oh, oh yeah, uh, Avengers, right? Yeah. Right, if you haven't on seen it left. yet, what are you like, doing? When, when what are you, you? What are you waiting around, dickbags? <laughs> like the moment, the moment you hear that on your left, right? Oh, oh, oh! Come on! If you weren't, if you weren't, if you weren't buzzing, excited, sad, beautiful, and when you see this moment, if you don't feel that, then 
you don't love movies as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was able to plug it in. You talked long enough for me to grab a cord and plug it in. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's why I was so quiet for a while. I'm like trying to quietly grab it. Okay. Um, I, was, I was on 2%. Two. That's great. There's a guy. There's a, there's a guy standing off camera going stretch, stretch, stretch. <laughs> plug his phone in. <laughs> All right, that's never happened to me before. I can't believe that. Just, uh. All right, so um, yeah. where can we catch you? So, so yeah, but uh, podcasting softly and um, your books. Yeah, I, yeah, books too. Amazon.com. Um, yeah, Facebook page is Kent J W Hill author page. Uh, you can see, I, but, but there's there's something on there. Um, unfortunately, this is the last episode, so people aren't going to get an update. But I'm in the middle of something cool. No, we're gonna get an update. I, did I already record this? Yeah. I don't know if I recorded yet. I'm not gonna give you the. Well, fuck it. No, who's gonna take it? It's gonna be called the Kick-Ass okay. Podcast. It's we're gonna be discussing okay. action movies year by year. Right. We're gonna grab you know a handful okay. of movies from every single year and discuss them. Right. Uh, a lot of lost and forgotten, not the big ones usually. There might be a few in there that are big that just never launched a franchise, but that's the next adventure. Trash Cinema, I think, has been one confusing mess for everybody because I never really locked down what it was supposed to be about. And right, right. Obviously, you're going to come with me on this one because um, I think you and okay. I are aligned in what we enjoy. Right, totally, totally. Well, well, you will get an update, but I'll just just to tease it until this uh, new one comes along. I'm in the middle of something cool, and I'll just say that I. I interview a lot of people. I talk a lot about movies. Uh, I love B movies. Um, this is me not talking about it anymore and actually uh, putting my money where my mouth is. Is it what I think it is? Is it about a shadow? No, 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 nah, something else. Dang. Okay. But, 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 it might actually, you might actually get to see it. Oh. Right? Okay. Right. So yeah, you might actually. You know, I've I've written a lot of I've written a lot of scripts in, in since I decided to do this foolish quest, right? This uh, the quest for the Holy Grail here, um, just like Nicolas Cage went looking for the Holy Grail. Um, yeah, uh, since I've been doing this, I've written a lot of scripts that that some lot of people you know, some people have seen, some people have not seen, and none of them have ever, you know, some of have gotten some have gotten close like dangerously close but this time i might cross the finish line i'll tell you that i hope so that'd be a lot of fun i the commitment to writing is uh, uh truly astonishing to me because i get ideas i've actually i would say technically you would categorize it under with uh fucking with you because i'll have ideas for movies and I'm like we'll talk about it later and then i'm like oh god i don't know if this is gonna work i i'm just i'm the guy i'm an idea man i can't sit there and write things down i feel like an asshole when i tell people i have an idea for something and then i don't follow through I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> mm. Well, well, put put it this way, put it this way. I, um, I kind of hoped when I got into podcasting softly, I might be able to get in touch with uh, people because uh, the put it this way, for anyone listening who's interested in the the other side of this, the people who listen to this that that love movies and are trying to get into this business, whether you make movies yourself, whether you're an independent filmmaker or you're a writer or whatever it is, whatever part of making movies you want to do, an actor even, um, you know, uh, I'm here to tell you that it is possible, but the best advice I was ever given um, that makes a whole lot of sense was told to me by Bill Marsili, and he is, uh, the, the, for people who don't know, 
He's uh, the co-screenwriter of Deja Vu, the Tony Scott, Denzel Washington time travel action movie. You, have you seen Deja oh, Vu? Yeah, you yeah. like Deja Vu? Right, so Bill Marsili, it's, I believe it still holds the record for the highest amount of money ever paid to a spec script. Whoa! Uh, which was over $5 million, I think. Um, so, yeah, so I got to talk to Bill. I'd really wanted to talk to Bill for a long time. I finally got in touch with Bill. And Bill gave me this piece of advice, and I give it to you now. Um, he says that there's a there's a thing in a lot of screenwriting books that no one seems to pay attention to. And he said that is, if you have or know or can get in touch with anyone in the industry, a professional, it pays to go to them and say, look, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Would you give me your opinion? Don't ask for anything else. Would you have a look at something of mine, whether it's a synopsis, a script, a fucking two-sentence story idea, get their opinion, right? Because people say a lot that in this movie business, just like ring the lottery, it's like being struck by lightning, okay? It's the, the odds are like being struck by lightning, okay? People say it's it's impossible to be struck by lightning, to win the lotto, to, to, to have a dream come true. But I tell you what, that might be the case, but you increase your chances if you put yourself where the lightning strikes. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Yeah, if you put yourself where the lightning is, where there's more lightning than anything else, you might get hit. That, honestly, and I'm just, that's, and I'm, yeah, I mean, if you don't put yourself out there, I think a lot of it is just because the responsibilities I have and I have to keep working at this brain dead job but it pays well enough to get me going you know mm. so I don't stop I, I'm usually recovering from that I can't get creative sure it's a lazy sure. and I, I know this I, I I'm not feel, a hustler I, I I'm not feel, a hustler baby I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel you I'm exactly the same I don't make any money right from from a lot of the writing that I do very small part of it okay um, I it's not my profession right it's my dream right but I'm I'm like the best analogy is uh, pale rider old mate goes and chips away at the rock in the stream right and either it's gonna break him or he's gonna break it right but every day he goes and he hammers away at it right so keep hammering because I'm here to tell you that you know I got my shot it's up to me to fuck it up right yeah right so yeah here's hoping um, I get over the finish line and uh, might be doing a podcast talking about a movie I wrote for a change. <laughs> I'd love to have that day. Um, okay, yeah. so this is the end of the basic hour run together. There's a few more episodes I'm doing with Kersey for the Halloween period. That'll be it. And uh, so if you want to know where we're going with all this, if you want to see updates on the new show, go over to Facebook over to Video Night Podcast and just hit like. And you'll get all the updates on where the show is going. Uh, my plan was always to go five years with every show and then kind of turn over things. So we have two different spinoffs from coming from Video Night that we're going to focus on. One on action movies and one on teen movies of the 80s and 90s. And uh, that's basically where we're at right now. And thank you, everybody, for so many years of support. Yeah, thank you. Look, thank you, Michael. Um, it's been like we started with King of the Kickboxes and we're ending with Sidekicks. Uh, we've talked about a lot of movies in between and a lot of, uh, a lot of cinema history uh, to the listeners of this that have bothered to, to, to tune in or just love this stuff. Um, thanks to my guests when, when Michael sort of gave me the captain's chair for a little while. Thanks to Wade Copes and 
uh, Jeff, I, Sean Ellis, I can't think of Jeff's last, I can't pronounce Jeff's last name, but thanks <laughs> Jeff, we talked about, we, Karamoose, I don't know, something, that's weird, um, yeah, he told me, you just go back and listen to it, he'll pronounce it for you, but uh, yeah, we talked about Space Hunter, but uh, yeah, Michael, it's been absolutely incredible, God love uh, these movies, Trash Cinema, folks, it's been an absolute pleasure, um, they're the movies that people trash, but secretly we love, and you should too. Yeah. Thanks for the memories. There's Thanks so for much, the memories, baby. There's so much fun <laughs> in some of these movies. And yes, we know they're bad, but sometimes mm. it's fun to go, you think this is a terrible movie? I, I champion mm. this. Look, I know Hawk the Slayer is campy as hell, but that's part of the charm. But I also yeah. I want to argue that Waterworld is a fucking phenomenal movie. Postman is horribly mm. underrated, and the fact that we got to champion these movies, and I know there's other people out there who love them. Yeah, that's totally. So, yeah, God bless you. Keep watching these movies. Keep defending them. Uh, stand up for what you believe. Yeah, have, the fight to have, do fun. What's, have the, fun. The fight to the fight to do what's right. That's turtle power. Right? <laughs> I ruined that for you. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you're going into something. Look at that's right. I was gonna do those lines. Yeah. I'm a big bag of dicks. That's, I swear. <laughs> that's the song. Yeah. Uh, from the from the field, the weeds, the heroes rescued the flower because they possess turtle power. <laughs> T U R T L E power. Elite power. Yeah. Ninja turtles. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, everybody, right. have a good night. Ninja rap. Ninja rap. <laughs> oh no, not that one. No, hell no. I'll go with turtle power. I'm not going ninja rap. Ninja. Ninja. I don't like the second one very much. I, the first one's perfect. The second one, I don't know. Yeah, the third one, I'm out. But yeah, the third one, no yeah, way. Yeah, the secret, the secret of the snooze. Yep. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace out, people. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>